I had planned on, uh, well, we'll start with last week. So last week, I asked Brother Trevor, just out of the blue, I didn't know he was leaving town, and I said, I said, Brother Trevor, when you leave town, you know, who does your class? He said, well, DJ's done it a couple times. I said, well, let me know if you need me to do it. And he says, well, why don't you do it next week? I said, got it, no problem. I'm going to do Trevor's class today, right? So I come to church, and pastor comes in, and pastor says, I'm not feeling that well. It's not cancer-related, so... He says, I'm not feeling that well. My stomach's a little off. He says, I might need you in the sanctuary to do the sermon. I said, okay, not a problem. We've done this before. I said, we'll pivot. I'll text DJ. DJ, I need you to do Brother Trevor's class. DJ texted back, I'm homesick. So I went back to the pastor. I said, well, Brother DJ is sick, so I'm going to teach Trevor's class. He says, okay. Next thing I know, I'm looking around, and I'm talking to Sister Lana, and I'm like, who are you talking to on the phone? She says, Pastor. I said, where's he at? He says, he's at home. <laughs> so Pastor went home, didn't tell me he went home, and here we are. All right? So let's, let's roll with this. Greeting you, my brothers and sisters, with the Holy Word's peace. peace All right, let's go to work. We're going to continue with Pastor's series on the 16 deadly Ds, and today we're going to talk about deadness. Deadness, all right? So at the top of all of his uh, notes, he always has every Sunday with these 16 deadly deeds, we have to know certain things. We must know our own weaknesses. We must know our own strengths. We must know the weakness of our enemy, and we must know the strengths of our enemy. That's in any situation, whether you're going into battle, whether you're playing football, what do they do? They watch tapes. They look at the other team. What's the other team good at? What are they not good at? Where are they failing at? And, and then we capitalize, right, on our enemy's weaknesses. Well, Satan does the same thing, right? He's watching us. Satan's got tapes. He's watching us right now. He's watching. He's somewhere watching. He's taking notes. What is this person's strengths? What is this person's weaknesses? Where can I get in? He's an opportunist. It's what he does. But we can be opportunists as well. But we cannot be opportunists if we have the spirit of deadness, okay? So what is deadness? Deadness is incapable of being stirred emotionally or intellectually, no longer having interest, relevance, or significance, no longer being important, no longer having worth. Deadness is no longer being productive. Deadness, in the literal sense, deprived of life. Deadness means finished, not able to be used. And then, of course, we talk about the spiritual death, which in the Bible talks a lot about spiritual death, and that is separation from God. Then you are spiritually dead. So I know someone might be, in the sound of my voice right now, that might feel that they belong to one of these areas, or maybe one, more than one, incapable of being stirred emotionally or intellectually. You're worn out, tired. No longer having any type of interest, relevance, or significance. Some people think that once they get a certain age, because society says that you're not a viable you know, participant in society, you go sit over there. And some of us buy into that. America is one of the few countries that actually has old folks' homes. I don't know if y'all know that or not. A lot of countries, the grandparents, great-grandparents stay with the family. They are still productive. They're teaching the grandkids and the great-grandkids. No longer being productive, just sitting there, bump on a log, not doing anything, just hanging out, living day-to-day, month-to-month. Here we go again. Deprived of life. Now, not only can you be deprived of life, but you can deprive yourself of life, yes? Amen. Okay? So that's a choice. Finished and not able to be used. That's a trick of the devil. As long as you are breathing, you're able to be used. Okay? It's a choice. And then spiritual death, as we talked about. Separation from God caused by sin. Sin is what separates. The only thing that separates us from God is sin. Okay? Resurrection means rising again to life. Rebirth, regeneration, 
and it means to restore. Rising again to life, re, R-E, that is such a strong two letters. Re means it used to be something and now it's that again, right? So we were born, we may have died off in some areas, but we can have a rebirth. We were generated at one point and we lost that, but we can be regenerated. We can be restored. So re means to do again, start anew, fresh, start over again. Two simple letters, very important, re, okay? Rebirth means a new birth, a spiritual regeneration, new life, growth, growth. Regeneration, to give new life, spiritual renewal or revival. So they all, all of these words have re in them. Resurrection starts with R-E, rebirth, R-E, regeneration, R-E, restore, R-E. Those two simple little letters are very important. So we're going to start with John 10 and 10. This is from the King James Version. And it says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Of course, this is Jesus talking. He says, the, key, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So first of all, we have to figure out who's the thief. Because the thief, the thief can be Satan. That's an easy one, okay? The thief can be your past. The thief can be your state of mind. The thief can be people that you allow in your space, okay? That you allow, that you allow to steal from you. Your peace, your self-worth, right? A good night's sleep, your health, okay? To steal and to kill. Now, we may not be talking about physical killing, but the thief can kill your self-esteem. The thief can kill who you want to be if you allow them to be, you know? To the young people, Brother Trevor's class is in here today. You know, you got the whole world mapped out in front of you, okay? Don't allow anyone to kill that off, okay? Your future, who you are, and who you choose to be is totally in your control, right? And for us old folks, I said, oh, I said us. Us, for us old folks, the rules still apply because as long as you're walking around and breathing, right, there's growth, the opportunities for growth. There's also the opportunities for things to be taken away from us, okay? Satan doesn't stop just because you hit your 40th birthday, okay? In fact, he kicks it into overdrive because he's like, oh, they ain't got that many more years left. I got I to gotta get on it. I got to get on it. Okay, and to destroy. But, but Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So this is the thing that I like about God and that I like and, and that his, his son, Jesus, has the same characteristic. Whenever you read in the Bible about God giving us something or Jesus giving us something, it's always in abundance. It's always over and above what we think we might need, okay? He always, I always tell people, God likes to show up and he likes to show out. He wants, it, it says, the scripture says that he showers us with things, that he lavishes things upon us, right? He always gives us more than we could ever hope or more than we can ever need. But if we have the spirit of deadness, then it's all for naught. It's a waste, it's like somebody giving you a gift and it's wrapped up in a beautiful bow and you just leave it sitting there. That doesn't diminish the worth of the gift, but it doesn't do anything in your life until you open it up, right? So what God gives us is never diminished. 
okay? It's always above and beyond. It's always in abundance, okay? It's always right there for each and every one of us to have. But if we have the spirit of deadness and we choose not to open it up, the gift is not wasted because it's still the gift. But your life is wasted because you're not putting it where it needs to be. You're not taking that bow off of that and opening it up and seeing what it is, right? And putting the batteries in it, which is the Holy Spirit, and putting it to work in our lives. Because we're dead, right? Because we're dead, we don't have the energy to open that bow. We don't have the self-worth to know that this belongs to me and it's mine, okay? We don't want to take the wrapping off of it because we might have to see what that is and we might have to wake up and use it. <laughs> so we have to remember God never changes. He's the same. And we, they always say this in the church. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Yes. Just like the, the praise team saying, the, the, the blood of Jesus never loses its power. The power of God, his love for us, his grace, his peace, his mercy, it never loses its, loses its power. Okay? It's always there. Yes. God never leaves us. We leave him. Yes. Okay? Right. He never walks away from us. We walk away from him. Why? Because we let that spirit of deadness, right, get into our mind, manifest itself through our bodies, and then we cut ourselves off from him and we become spiritually dead Amen. in our sin, Amen. okay? Yeah. Amen. Sins of omission, sins of commission. Oh, yeah. Sins of omission are things that you should have done but you didn't do. Sins of commission are things you shouldn't have done but you did do, okay? That's what cuts us off from him. That's what makes us spiritually dead, yeah. our sin, okay? John 14 and 6 in the King James says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he says, I'm the way, the truth, and what? The life. What is the opposite of dead? Life. The opposite of deadness is life. Okay? If you feel dead, if you feel lifeless, He's there. He's life. He's the way. He's the truth. Okay? So why did he use the word life? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because he, Jesus, knew and understood that there would be some people who would be spiritually dead. He was surrounded by people that were spiritually dead. There were some people that walked with him that were still spiritually dead. Because they chose not to recognize not only who he was, Okay, but what he could do for them. Okay, and that's the same thing as we are today. Yes, Jesus is not physically standing here next to us. He has sent us the Holy Spirit, but we still have to choose whether or not we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move and work in our life and to give us life. Okay, so what is our connection to Jesus today? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right? So. We know Father, the Father's in heaven. We know Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, right? Jesus is not here, okay? So how, how do we come to the Father by him and through him? Well, he left us a path. He left us a way. It's the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We say that the Holy Trinity is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus is at the Father's right hand, and he's left the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit, right, is the way, the truth, and the life. Because the Holy Spirit is the operating force that Jesus has left behind. It's Jesus's agent, okay? So here's the thing. So there have been people in church, this has happened a couple of times, where they haven't wanted to go to my father with something. So they come to me. They try to circumvent the pastor, and they come to me. Now, I might say yes or no in a different way that the pastor might say yes or no, but my answer is still going to be what the pastor would have me to say, right? Okay? 
So if God is the father, Jesus is his son, Jesus is God's agent. Jesus is going to speak on behalf of God the Father. Jesus has done his work. He's moved on. He's back at the right hand of the Father, and so now he's left the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to act on behalf of what Jesus said, which is what God said, right? So we have the same working power through the Holy Spirit as those had when Jesus was walking amongst them in the flesh. It's the same power, right? It's the same, it's the same opportunity, right? It's the same access to God's ear. Yeah, right? You're just using a different person of the Trinity, okay? It's the same. So when Jesus says that, you can't say, well, Jesus isn't here anymore. He's here. That's not an excuse. He's here. He's still here, okay? So you can't use that excuse to be dead. Well, you know, Jesus is gone, and, you know, and the world is just a horrible place, and, and you know, and no, no, no. Jesus is gone, but the Holy Spirit is still here, and the Holy Spirit is still working, okay? We just have to choose to get on board with it, right? So we have to get out of that spirit of deadness, get that out of our mind, stop making excuses, and understand that if we want to live in the way, and if we want to live a life of truth, and if we want to have a life of of abundance, okay, we have to do it through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we pray. The Holy Spirit takes our request to the ear of Jesus. Jesus takes it to the ear of God. God says, let's do this. And then we are infused, right, with all that we need spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially, to everything we need to do to glorify God. Okay. Romans 8 and 6 in the King James Version, and this one's ugly. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is, here's this word again, life and peace. So for those of you who don't know, to be carnally minded, that means to be worldly minded. That means to be consumed with the things of the world. I can't get out of bed this morning because my horoscope said it's going to be a bad day. Okay? I can't go to church because Beyonce is releasing her new song at 10 a.m. Sunday. Or I, I can't come to church because I saw Beyonce last night and I'm tired. Or I can't, I can't come over to your house because you're going to talk to me about that God stuff and I'm not trying to hear that today because I'm in a bad mood. And I'm going to be in a bad mood because I said I'm going to be in a bad mood and doggone it, I'm just going to be in a bad mood. I don't want to be around you because you're too positive. <laughs> to be carnally minded is death. Isn't it interesting that the one thing that we do during the week that is the most important thing that we can do, it's so easy to slack off on it. Don't you, sometimes on Sunday mornings, and, and, it, and it just, it, it amazes me because I, I, lateness drives me nuts. I, I can't stand lateness. And I look at people, and some of you are in here, and, and you're going to get mad, but you'll be fine. It just blows my mind that you can get up five days a week and be at work seven, eight o'clock in the morning, but you can't make it to church by 10. And the reason why I can say that is because there are some Saturdays where I work. I get off work at four in the morning. I'm here at nine o'clock with my singers. I'm doing my work. Now there's some other areas where I'm slacking, but that's one where I'm not gonna be slacking. But isn't it amazing that that Sunday morning sleep is different than then Saturday morning, you just want to just, you just, no, get up, get up, wake up. You got things to learn. You got a better person to be. You got lessons to learn. Your family needs to see you being responsible. It drives me nuts when I see dead parents trying to raise live children. Are you kidding me? We want our kids to be this, and we want our kids to be that, and we want, to, we want them to do this, and, and why can't they do this, and, and why can't they do that? Why are you arguing with your child whether or not they're coming to Sunday school? 
What you're doing is you're setting an example of a life of death. And then we wonder why, you know, we want to talk about, oh, this generation. Oh, this day they, they don't have any, they don't have any motivation and they just, they're just lazy. And well, who, who, who's raising them? You were that age once. Who raised you? Okay. You can't plant apple seeds and get upset when an apple tree grows and you were expecting you were expecting an orange tree to grow. No, what you plant is what you're going to reap. Not only is that in your life, but that's in the life of those around you, right? If you plant a spirit of deadness, then you're going to be raising dead trees. Dead fruit. So not only does the spirit of deadness affect us, but it affects those around us. Okay. Now, I talked earlier about how how we choose whether or not we're going to have life or whether or not we're going to have deadness. Right. We, we have that choice. Okay. When you got babies in your house and I'm, and, and I'm talking I'm talking to anybody from. 18 down, whether they're living in your house, they're a baby. I don't care if they're 27, okay? If you're raising people in your house, you're responsible. That, that's on you. That's on you. We have too many children that are raising themselves. Okay? And that's not their fault. Okay? That's because there's not a father in the home. That's because there's not a mother in the home. And you don't have to be absent from the home to be an absentee parent. So there are some homes that have parents in them that are still raising dead children. Okay? So we have to be responsible for that. So to be carnally minded is death. Okay? So that is to be worldly minded, to be consumed by the things of the world. And it's so easy now for us to be carnally minded. Okay? Because we have the internet. We've got our iPhones. We can look up everything on our iPhone. You know? There are so many portals, right, that Satan can use to dull our senses, okay, to get us consumed with things that have nothing to do with what God would have us to do, okay, to get us worried about people that we don't even know, wouldn't even, wouldn't even speak to us if they saw us. But we're so consumed with that, you know. You have people sitting, sitting in church wondering, is Taylor going to be at the game? <laughs> Instead of focusing on, this is for us, this is for you. Ta- Taylor's all right. She, she's going she's to be fine, okay? Taylor's not worried about what you're doing. Don't worry about what Taylor's doing. Worry about what you're doing, who you are, where you are, and who you're leading behind you. Who's behind you, Right? So to be carnal-minded is death, but to be spiritual-minded is what? It is life and it is peace. Peace. Something that seems to be so lacking in the world today. Peace. Okay? We get up and we go about the business of living. We get up, we got to do this, got to go here, got to go here, got to run the kids here, got to go here, got the job, got to do this, got to go to the store, got to do this, got to go, got to Stop. Be still. Be still. How you wake up is how you set the course of your day, right? Right? So when you wake up and you're immediately carnally minded and you reach for your iPhone before you reach for your Bible or you reach for your daily journal, you've set the course of your day. You're already on the Internet. You're looking. Who's doing that? What's going on? What's going on in the world? What's doing that? What's doing that? No. Start your day off. Spiritually minded. Don't start your day off carnally minded. Because once you get in that track, it's like a rut. Once you get in that rut, you can't get out of that rut. You can't start your day off carnally minded and then just all of a sudden be spiritual. It doesn't work that way. It, it, it takes work to get out of that, to get out of that rut. Okay? You can't live your life carnally minded, and then once you get at a certain age, you want to just jump out of that rut. It's not that, it's not that easy because you've lost time twice, right? So here's the thing. So you've lost years being carnally minded, 
chasing after foolishness, things that bring death, things that bring foolishness, you know, things that bring stress, right? So you've lost time dealing with that, right? Now, instead of being where you're supposed to be and getting to this point, you're back here trying to play catch up. So you've lost time twice, if you think about it, because you had all this time where you should have been here, okay? And now instead of getting from here to here, you're wasting this time getting from here to here. So you're losing time twice, okay? And time is the most precious commodity we have on this planet, right? Now I'm speaking outside of, um, of your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, but there are even scriptures in the Bible that talk about wasting time. Okay, time is a precious commodity. Don't waste time being dead. Stop being dead. It's a choice that we make. Am I going to choose to live the next five years like I lived the last five years? Am I going to choose to live the next 10 years like I lived the next 10 years? And whatever that is that's got you carnally minded, where you are, who you are, who you're with, what you're reading, what you're watching, what are you eating, who are you hanging out with? It's a choice that we make, okay? Because here's the thing about God, and I love this about him. God has made it so easy for us to live a life of peace, to live a life of joy, and to live a life of harmony. We junk it up with all of the dumb choices that we make. And we've all made dumb choices, okay? We've all put people in our lives that shouldn't have been there. We've put people out of our lives that should have been in our lives. We've eaten things we shouldn't have eaten. We've drank things we shouldn't have drank. We've gone places we shouldn't have gone. We've watched things we shouldn't have watched. We've gotten into arguments with people and wasted time where you could have been doing something else. We do so, we junk things up so much. But if you really get into the scriptures, you will learn that living a life of abundance, it's really easy. Because you know what Jesus said one time? He said, just let your conversation be yay and nay. Just say yes and no. And keep it moving. Okay? We waste too much time around things that suck our life force out of us. Okay, and we have to change that for ourselves. Okay, there are certain things God is not going to come down from heaven and change things for your life. He's given us everything we need right here. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. He's given us everything we need right here. He's not coming down here. He's busy. He's God. He's got stuff to do. All right. He left the Holy Spirit. OK. Do you think pastor would have left me up here to do the sermon if he didn't trust me? Of course not. This is his legacy. He started this church when I was five years old. I'll be. Thank you. I'll be 53 next week. OK. So he wouldn't have me up here if he didn't trust me. Right. So God wouldn't have sent Jesus if he didn't think Jesus was going to be trustworthy enough to be obedient to him. Jesus wouldn't have left the Holy Spirit if he didn't think the Holy Spirit was going to continue on in the vein that they expected it to do. Right. So. God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the word, studying, has given us everything we need to live the life that he would have us to live. Okay? We have to choose to open this up. Okay? This is not going to open itself up. It's not going to do it. It's not magical. And I guarantee you some of you have some in your house that are covered with a layer of dust. You could probably plant azaleas on top of your Bible. It's not to put under your table so it doesn't rock. All right? There's life in here. There's joy in here. There's peace in here. The way is in here. Truth is in here. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Basic instructions before, living earth, before leaving earth, the Bible. Jesus said... You cannot have fellowship with God unless you do it through me. We don't know enough about Jesus. It's a shame that Satan knows more about Jesus than we do. 
We don't know what's in here, some of us. We claim we've been Christians for years. What's in here? You don't know what's in here. And if this is your instruction manual, you need it. Okay? How am I going to get to the Father? Jesus says I have to do it through him. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. How, does that, how do I get to the Father through Jesus? I don't know. It's in here. Everything we need is in here. Okay? So moving on. So we talked about how to be spiritually minded is death, but to be, spiritual, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. God wants his children to be alive. God wants his children to thrive. God wants his children to have peace. Because you know why? Because when you are alive and when you're thriving and when you have peace, there's nothing to distract you from serving him. Okay? Some of us can't serve God fully because we're distracted with too much stuff. Okay? When we praise God, okay, when we're in here and the the praise team is up here and, and they're singing, it's not a show. We're not putting on a performance for you all. That's why I don't like anyone to call these people a choir. Because when I think of a choir, I think of you're sitting there and you're watching a performance. No, we are a praise team. Our job is to lead you, right, to to invite the Holy Spirit in and to lead you all in praising God. But there are some of you who are missing that opportunity every Sunday. Why? Because some of you just aren't here. But then some of you that are here, your mind is on something else. Okay, you're thinking about, you know, you had an argument with your husband in the car or last night or what am I going to cook for dinner or how long is church service? I wish they turned those fans down. It's chilly in here. (laughs) Clap and sway. You'll warm up. (laughs) But we think about we our our brain and it's easy because that's when Satan gets busy. He starts, you know, your stomach starts growling when you when you're praying and you're trying you're thinking of all this other stuff and you can't get these thoughts out of your mind. and, and, And you're thinking about all this stuff. You know, you're robbing God, first of all, of his praise, and you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to praise God, right? Right? So there's a scripture that says God loves a cheerful giver. That's not just, that's not talking, just talking about money. That's your praise. That's your giving. That's your praise. How you live your life, that's your praise. Okay. Yeah. People, people. And I I said this, I think the last sermon I was up here, I said, if you, if you tell people you're a Christian and they're surprised, you need to adjust something. Nobody should be surprised that you're a Christian. Okay. When you're living a life of abundance and you're living a life that is full of vigor and that is restored, people see it. Now, people that aren't Christian, they may not be able to put their finger on it. They may not know what it is, but they see something different about you. Right. And that should make you feel good because you know why that makes God feel good, because now you're not living a dead life. You're living a life that is alive and you're spreading that life to other people. And that's what he wants us to do. We're not down here just bumping around until we die and hope we make it into heaven. He wants us down here making a change. Okay, we're going to go through the same things that everybody else goes through. Any pastor or any church that tells you otherwise, you need to find another church. And I'm saying that. Yes, I'm saying that. Because there's too many churches that tell you, you know, you give your life to Christ and it's going to be great and it's going to be fantastic and and your life's going to be wonderful and nothing's ever going to happen to you again. Christians get cancer. How many, raise your hands, how many of you have had some form of cancer in this room? Christians get cancer. I'm not going to get too far into business. Christians get divorces. Don't raise your hands. Christians get, Christians, Christians get to, some of them raise their hands. <laughs> Christians get divorces. Christians have to file bankruptcy. Christians uh, lose their jobs. All of these things happen to us just like everybody else. But the difference is, should be, not that we're going through it just like everybody else, but how do we travel through this situation? Do we allow this situation to kill us off spiritually? Do we allow this situation to give us a spirit of deadness? Or do we tighten up and say, all right, God, you're with me. All right, Jesus, you told me, right? You told me to be spiritually minded. All right, world, 
Watch me work. Here we go. Come on, Holy Spirit. Let's do this. And then you see people that are watching, those who stand around that are watching like, wow, she went through the same thing I went through. Man, she handled that with so much grace. Oh, man, he is, man, he's strong. Man, he is strong. He's a good God man. He's taking care of his family in the midst of everything he's going through. He's coming to church. He's bringing his kids. Man, look at that guy. That's what we're here for, people. Not just to bring life to ourselves, but to spread life to other people. Jesus wasn't just down here bumping around until he was crucified and died. He did things. He made a difference, right? He brought life. He brought joy. He brought peace. And if we call ourselves Christians, which means Christ-like, then that means we are to have the same attitude, personality, right, vigor, and life that Jesus Christ himself had. How do we do that? Not in and of ourselves, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I guarantee you, there are going to be some things that in the flesh, you're not going to be able to handle them. They are going to break you down. Life is designed to break you down if you allow it. All right? But if you are armored up and you are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, oh, life's going to knock you around. It's going to do that, okay? But it's not going to knock you down, okay? You'll be able to keep pushing through. And like Pastor says, when you can't stand, you stand anyhow. The difference between those who can't stand anyhow is those, they, don't have, they have a life of deadness. Life, life has knocked them down, and they're just going to stay there in the mud. But when you have the spirit of life, all right, then you know this is nothing but a step for a climber. This is just a situation. This is just a circumstance. This is just an opportunity for me to show up and show out. This is an opportunity for me to hold God at his word. Because you can say to God, and I, I talk to him, I'm like, now look, God, now you told me. <laughs> you promised me. Okay? That's the chance for you to talk to him. He wants you to talk to him. He wants the opportunity to work in your life. Because if he didn't want that, he would have given us so many ways through him, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and sometimes through our brothers and sisters. Sometimes you have to be life for somebody else. I had a friend that called me um, two weeks ago. I was at work, and he texted me, can you talk? And I called him, and he was horribly drunk, horribly drunk. And his wife left him and took their kid. And he was talking to me on the phone, and he told me he had a noose in his lap. And he told me he was done. And they moved, and I didn't know his address. And I stayed on the phone with him for two hours while I was at work. And I told one of my people, I said, you go do my work. I got something to do. And I stood outside, and I talked to him for two hours. And I said, I just need you to make it to tomorrow. I said, I'm going to call you tomorrow at 10 a.m., and I expect you to answer that phone. And I prayed with that brother. And he may not remember any of that conversation, but I called him at 10 a.m. and he answered the phone. And we talked again and I said, I'm gonna call you tomorrow at 9 a.m. and I need you to answer the phone. He said, I don't know if I can make it. I said, you're gonna make it, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna make it. I said, you know why? He said, why? I said, because we've been friends for 20 years and you've never lied to me. And I want you to tell me you're gonna answer the phone when I call you in the morning. He said, okay, I'll, call, I'll answer the phone. I called him at 10 in the morning. He was still drunk. He was still drunk, but he answered the phone. It's been two weeks now. He's still answering the phone. And it's not because of anything that I said or did. It was because when he first told me on the phone what was going on, I was in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, tell me what I need to say, how to say it, what not to say, what I need to do, because I don't know what I'm doing. Because his very life at that moment was in my hands. 
but it wasn't in my hands. It was in our hands, right? Because the Holy Spirit was working through me, telling me what I needed to say to keep him pushing through. And I told him, I said, we're going to do this one day at a time. And I said, we're going to get you through this, and we're going to get you some help. And I, t- and, 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 went, and I wasn't going to pull punches. I said, because I told you 10 years ago that you were an alcoholic and you needed to get your life together. I said, if you're ready, I said, I will be here to walk you all the way through this. But I can't do that in and of myself. I don't even want to do that in and of myself. That's a lot. Okay? But I know through the working power of the Holy Spirit, I can restore him. Okay? I can help restore him back to life. And that's what I mean when I say sometimes God gives us, I always tell people one of the reasons why God gives us things in abundance, he gives us more than what we need, is so we can give some of it away to somebody else. So we need to learn to have a spirit of life, okay? Because it says that we're going to have life and life more abundantly. Well, if I have more life than what I need, then I'm going to give it away to somebody else. Give it away to somebody else. Sometimes it can just be a smile. Sometimes it can just be holding a door open for somebody. You don't know the effect that you have on somebody's day, okay? Ask the wait staff how you're doing this evening. Ask the lady at Target as she's beeping your groceries, how are you doing today? I don't, I don't go through the self-checkout because I don't work there. I want to talk, <laughs> I work at Ford Motor Company. I want to get in line and I want to talk to a human. And, but I do ask them, how's your day going? How, how are you doing? And they're always like, oh, I'm fine. And, you know, they just, they, they brighten up. You don't know the effect that you can have on somebody. Don't be selfish with the life that you have. It's for us to give away. Parents, it's for you to give away to your children. Okay, we worry about leaving kids houses and cars and 401ks. If you raising crazy kids, you just that's a waste. They're not going to do anything with that. Give them something that will never fail them, something that will always be there for them, something that they can bank on. Right. Something that's not going to fluctuate with the market. And if we're in a war and then who's in the White House and then who's that and who give them something that will never, Sister Kim, lose its power. The life an abundance that comes from Jesus Christ through our Holy Spirit. Give them that. Now, if you want to give them that other stuff, that's fine, but that will also give them the intelligence and the spiritual intelligence in what to do with the physical things that you leave them behind. Because there are a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of money and don't have the spirit working with them and they end up broke. You see, I used to watch these shows, these people that win the lottery, and then they end up broke. They end up on drugs. They, because, yeah, you have all of this stuff, okay, but you don't know how to use it. You're just a dead person with a bunch of money, okay? So it doesn't matter about all that stuff, that carnal stuff. It's about having a life of joy and a life of peace, okay? I'm going to jump down to Revelation. We're going to wrap it up. Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3. Nobody said, take your time, Isaac. Nope, too late, too late. Don't do it now. (laughs) Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3. And it's from the King James Version. It says, I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest, and thou art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Verse 3, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come unto thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So let's, let's go back and break this down. This is a warning. This is a warning, okay? They were talking, the, the, the spirit was talking to churches, okay? So you're a church, so I'm going to talk to you right now, okay? So we're going to be Christ Temple North. So the following rites of message to the congregation of, of Christ Temple North, okay? Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to read it from the message because this is a, a, a clearer version, all right? It says, I see right through your work. You have a reputation for vigor and zest, which is enthusiasm and energy, but you're dead, stone dead. Get up on your feet, take a breath. Maybe there's life in you yet, 
but I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. Nothing of God's work has been completed. Your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had in your hands, the message you heard with your ears, grasp it again and turn back to God. If you will pull the covers back over your head and sleep on, oblivious to God, I will return when you least expect it, break into your life like a thief in the night. So Christ Temple North, God sees our work. God knows the work that we're doing with sincerity and God knows the work that we're doing just to be seen. God knows the work that is bringing life and God knows the work that is just empty filler. He sees what we do. We say we are a church. We say we are Christians, which means Christ-like. And he's saying, I see that you guys, oh my gosh, you guys have a reputation for vigor and zest, enthusiasm and energy. You guys are hugging each other. You guys are smiling. You're greeting each other. You're praising and you're worshiping. And people are watching on the live stream. And they're like, oh my gosh, gosh, they have such a good time at that church. And everybody is so loving and, and so giving. And everybody is so friendly there. Even if you're being loving and friendly just to be doing it, to make yourself look good, God's not impressed. He wants you to do it from your heart. He wants you to do it from your soul. He wants you to do it from your spirit. It says, get up on your feet and take a breath. Maybe there's life in you yet. Okay, so when we're doing things through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're doing it from our heart and from our soul, we're doing it that, with that enthusiasm and that energy and that life that only the Holy Spirit can give us. So he's saying, look, I'm warning you, Christ Temple North. I'm seeing what you're doing. You're doing good things. But some of you aren't doing it with sincerity. But he's saying, you know what? Maybe there's life left in you yet. So he says, I'm warning you. I'm not coming down on you yet. I'm warning you. And maybe there's a little bit life in you yet. But I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. So right here, God is saying, show me what you're working with. You say it, but do you live it? You talk about a life of vigor and excitement and all of that. Are you living a life that is full of life? Or are you just drifting along day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? You come in here, you give empty hugs, empty smiles. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Oh, God bless you this morning. Good to see you too. You get that hug that... God's not impressed with that. Everything that we do, he wants us to do it with a sincerity of heart, purposeness of mind, through the life and the blood that the Holy Spirit gives us. Flows from heart to heart, breast for, to breast to breast. That's how we lift one another up. When somebody, everybody talks about my mom's hugs. There's nothing fake about her hugs. Okay, her hugs are infused, right? With love and infused with Holy Spirit. When you are hugged by her, you know you've been hugged. Okay, because she does it with sincerity. Okay, it can be something as simple as that. You don't have to get up here and preach a sermon. It's not, God is not asking you to do that, okay? God doesn't, God doesn't need a bunch of Christians just sitting in the church. Jesus and the disciples didn't just hang out in a cave somewhere. They went out into the world and made a difference. God wants us to take what we learn, right? Put it in our lives, trust it, taste it, and see that it's a real deal, okay? Because you can't sell something that, you can't sell a product that you don't know anything about, right? So you have to put the product in your life and see, oh, this works. Okay, and then you go out and you can sell that product to other people and they're going to buy it because they're like, oh, man, that person's honest. They know what they're talking about. They know about the blood of Jesus. They know that they've been redeemed. They've seen God work in their life. They can tell me about how they lived a dead life and now they are and now they're alive in Christ. Wow. What are they doing? What church do they go to? I want to pop into their church. That's how we do the unfinished work of Christ. Right. That's how we bring people in. That's how we strengthen the body. Yeah. 
But church, if we are dead, okay, because that scripture also, it also says nothing of God's work has been completed. As long as you are breathing oxygen, you got work to do. Jesus did, even after he died, Jesus didn't quit working. He had work to do. He was physically dead and he still had work to do. He had to go to the center of the earth. He had to take those keys away, right? He still had work to do. And if we say we're Christians and we say we're Christ-like, as long as we are living on this earth, we got work to do. It might just be, you might have to spend a whole lifetime working on yourself and that's fine. That's fantastic. Okay, keep working on yourself. Please do. Right. But there should be a time where you can tell somebody else. If you can't tell somebody else how to do something, you can definitely tell them how not to do it. And that's just as important. And that's what growth is. Okay, so as long as we are living and alive, we're doing God's work, which means we are working. We are training. We are growing. Okay, and we have a responsibility when you tell people you are a Christian or when you, tell, uh, when you take Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a responsibility to him, yes. to yourself, yes. and to the world yes. to bring life. Yes. To, and, that's, and, and when I say bring life, that is in how you live. Mm-hmm. That's in what you say yes. to people, mm-hmm. that mouth, yes. Amen. what we do, who's watching. Because, you know, we always, we tell people, we know, well, how I live my life is nobody's business. When you become a Christian, your life is everybody's business. Because they're watching you. And some are watching to see if you're going to trip up. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. I'll leave you with this. Okay? Each and every person in the sound of my voice, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, those of you watching on this live stream, each and every one of us was designed to be in this space at this time in history to make a difference, okay? It's not about who came before you, and it's not about who's coming after you. You have no control over that. But we do have control over the life we live right here, right now in this space. What is this, March 3rd, whenever the, whatever this is, 2024, You are designed to be here right now, to be on the earth right now. Don't worry about trying to be somebody else. Everybody else is already taken. You be you. You be who God designed you to be, okay? He has given you the tools to be the perfect version of who you are. Take those tools and put them to work. On your jobs, in the classroom, on the college campus, Lord help us, in traffic, in the grocery store, wherever you are, take those tools with you and be who God has designed you to be. And if you're not that yet, you spend your entire life breathing in and out from this point on, working toward it. And that way, when you die and you pass on, you can die knowing that, you know what? I wasn't dead. God bless you.